Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, and welcome to my discussion of Don't Worry Darling, the latest movie from Olivia Wilde, starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Chris Pine, among others. Now, this is going to be a spoiler discussion, right? So if you haven't yet seen the movie, uh, then I recommend that you do, right? Or if you just don't care, then that's up to you. But um, please, you know, it'll make more sense uh, if you've actually seen the movie, right? Also, part of the reason why that is, is because I want this to be a participation, right? I'm going to get out some thoughts, but I would also like you to share your thoughts in the comment section or hit me up on social media at Phil Svitek. So, I'm not going to talk about the off-screen drama of it all um, or perceived drama through the press. I just want to talk about the movie as it is presented. And as it is presented, I was very upset by it um, because... It's about a two-hour movie, and after watching it, it just felt like a complete waste of time. And that's not to say that there isn't things to like about it. The production design is fantastic. The acting on many levels is fantastic. Florence Pugh, really, really phenomenal. Chris Pine as well. Uh, Harry Styles, I don't think is... You know, I, I think he does a good job with what he's given overall, um, as does everyone else. The cinematography, phenomenal. Uh, the sound design, great. Editing, uh, you know, works. And so from a production standpoint, you know, very good marks. But none of that means anything if the story itself isn't good. And... I want to talk about these things because I think it's worthwhile to try to examine why things didn't work. So that way, you know, as artists, we can kind of take that and learn those lessons for ourselves and benefit from that, right? So the first thing that I want to talk about is a lot of people that do have issues with the movie is that they're saying two-thirds of it worked, but the ending just was atrocious and it ruined it all. I think we have to understand that if two-thirds of the movie worked for you, but the ending didn't, that means the movie didn't work, right? You can't just, like, pick and choose parts of a movie that that you liked, and if... Because especially the meaning... And crux of everything, it's, it's supposed to lead up to the ending. That's what gives a movie its meaning, right? The takeaway for the audience. And if that's not working, it's because the initial two, th- there, there's something wrong with the beginning, right? It wasn't set up properly, you know, the threads are missing, whatever else. And so... I think people need to identify that first and foremost is that the ending doesn't work because the beginning two-thirds don't work. And Olivia Wilde's kind of said about this movie that she wanted it to be her Truman Show, The Matrix, um, and so forth, right? Like she drew inspirations from that. Well, I can definitely speak to The Matrix 
aspect because I'm a, I've been obsessed with those movies since forever. And the thing about that movie is it, it reveals itself as part of the first act, right? The fact that Neo has been living in a fake world, you find out within the first 30 minutes or so. This, the reveal, like, it happens very much towards the end. And so we don't get to explore that. And yes, uh, you know, there's the obvious metaphor of a woman's right to choose and her autonomy. But we get so little into her life, and I understand that's partly because she doesn't remember her life. That, you know, she's been lobotomized and, you know, it's, she's not supposed to. But with what we were presented and what she remembers, it's not like she was given that much, like, or we weren't given that much to go off of that there was an indication that it was great to any capacity that she would have enjoyed it. And if you're going to lean in on that, that, that she had you know, an issue with not being able to choose, then that should have been layered as part of her overall character, even within victory itself. And I think a big issue with this movie is that you have to essentially assign a reading to this as opposed to interpret a reading. You know, I've seen a lot of explainer videos online that talk about this, and I think they're good, but they're, they're literally assigning motive and, and things of that nature to it all. And I think that, like, the, the, what, what is assigned to the movie, as, as far as the reading goes, I think is very clever and sounds great, but none of that's in the movie. You just you can't interpret that from the movie. You have to assign it to the movie. You know, for like, for example, the red plane. That that seems to be a big thing. You know, that's what got Alice Florence Pugh's character to go out and essentially go to the edge of this simulation. But why was there a plane there to begin with? It's not really explained. Now, you know, it could be because of a shared memory. Like, that's what some people are interpreting as far as the initial character that kind of discovered the fakeness of this world. Um, and she's really seeing that because, you know, uh, the women there are supposed to be kept in sync. And by keeping them in sync, it allows them to more easier accept the simulation. But I think there's a lot of ideas that want to be deep, but they're, they're just kind of left at that surface level. You know, the, the dinner table scene between Chris Pines and Florence Pugh, Frank and Alice, it really wanted to go for something, but it, it didn't. And she was really sort of grasping at straws, not being able to point to anything in particular. Like, yes, he was gaslighting her. But what, what, what was he even gaslighting 
her over. Because she wasn't, there wasn't anything concrete other than that she had this inkling. But like by, by that point in the movie, she should have known more and had more evidence of what she was arguing for. Like that sort of style scene, as written, should have been more like, as kind of like a first act or within that, or like, you know, maybe by the midpoint or something like that. Not two-thirds into the movie. And there's just a lot thrown in that last little bit. Like, Shelly, who's um, Frank's wife, I think that's her name, you know, she stabs Frank in the end. And again, the, the assigned reading is okay, you know, uh, the women are sort of making a stand and they're going to be the ones in control, but it's not really... It's not given a hefty weight to it, right? Like, it comes out of nowhere, and it's not like it was coordinated in any sort of sense. It's not like they had, like... There was the subtext of that. You know, and then Alice really just going to the edge and, like, to get out of the simulation. It's like, they, they know where she lives. Like, then what? <laughs> They're going to go after her in the real world. <sighs> like, the idea of her leaving, it, 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 does, it does nothing. Like, it feels like a false victory to me. Like, there's not a satisfaction to it that I'm supposed to feel because it doesn't feel like it's over. It doesn't feel like the women end up taking over the town sort of thing or whatever else. You know? Um, the other aspect, like, if this was all done so that way, at least as presented, uh, Jack, who's Alice's wife, or husband, rather, you know, he did this so because he, he was unhappy, right? And so he does this so that way he can be happy. And yet, when you really look at it, it's like, I question, like, what was he happy with? Right? Like, in a weird way, by putting that in, like, We've been in the perspective of Florence Pugh's character, Alice, pretty much the entire time. Like, it's told through her perspective. We see what she sees. We're there. You know, her memories are our memories. And then we cut to Harry Styles. And we're in this, like, third-person sort of view, now tracking him. And he's miserable with his life. He doesn't have a job, it seems. He's not getting any from his wife. You know, she's neglecting him. And so he wants to do this. He wants to be in this fake reality. But he still has to leave that reality every morning and go into the real world to work. So the guy who didn't have a job before, now he has a job. They give him a job. Not, I don't think he's working for them necessarily. I think he's just got some random menial job. Also, that way he could support the simulation. 
And to do what? So he can drive back home and then be with his life. Like, that's it. It's just literally about the sex for him. And don't get me wrong. Like, as a guy, yeah, there, there's a fantasy element. Like, yeah, it'd be fun to just go home and have sex with your wife and just have a great time. And that's... You, but it can't be all the life. Like, it's just literally every, like, just he goes to work and then comes home and lives out a sexual fantasy. And if that's the case, it's, we've never seen him, like, actually have sex. He just pleasures her. Which implies that he feels a certain amount of guilt over doing this. So it's just very muddled in that way. It's confusing. So it introduces a very big open-ended thing and, and without we don't understand the motivation. And so forth. Um, and I can't verify, like I'd have to go back and watch this, but in one of the videos that I watched, they talked about how there was a, the song that Alice hears, that, that tri- that's what triggers like good memories of her marriage. And if that's the case, when was that set up? As far as a song being, ha- like again, that's, that's another point where you're just assigning a reading instead of interpreting it. You know, there's the storytelling cliche of, like, Chekhov's gun. Like, if a gun goes off in the third act, it must be shown in the first act. That's kind of what this was. It was like, what? <laughs> I know they listened to music and stuff like that, but it was like, how was, like, at what point was, like, this their song? That's a lot of grasping at straws. And may, I don't know, maybe it's there. But there's also a lot of, lot of music throughout, and so... You know, if it was a song that that triggered their happiness, it got lost in the shuffle for me, unfortunately. And stories have to have those ebbs and flows. Like, you know, if I'm meant to take away something important, you kind of have to give it to me in a certain way. There's a filmic language, right? And I know, I, I know some people have nitpicked this and can nitpick this. And I'm not saying, ten, listen, Tenet is a very problematic movie. Um, it's not one of Christopher Nolan's best, for sure. But the fact that in that movie, there's a quick little shot of something within the first couple minutes that sticks, that, that literally upon first viewing stuck in my mind enough that at the end, when they showed it again, I was able to connect the dots and have this like giant revelation. As chaotic as that movie, like I, I still remember that, right? Like it, I was able to, because of the filmic language, they, they showed it to me in a way where it stuck out in my mind. Here, it just kept this over sensory, it was like sensory overload, which. I think part of that was by design, right? Because that's what this 
world is supposed to represent. But still, there needed to be moments, as much as we're like tracking Alice, like certain things, just the meaning of it and what it implies for her, they just didn't register in that way, at least for me. And listen, you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of people to create a movie. And as I said, from, from a technical standpoint, it was phenomenal. And that's what kind of sucks about it is that, like, I think if they just worked on the story a little bit more, it would have been good. And so it, it's not like it just brings me joy. I wanted the movie to, to be good. And I don't say all this stuff to bash it in that way. I, I do it as a learning exercise to be able to talk about what worked and what didn't and more so ways to improve it. But I think it starts with, I don't know, just whenever you try to withhold like this thing for so long and just have it be like the big reveal at the end, it needs to work on an emotional level rather than a lot of movies and this feels like that like, Haha, got you. Aren't we clever um, for, you know, being able to withhold that from you and now look at it isn't this, as opposed to it having emotional weight on the characters. And so as a general rule of thumb, I don't have any, any sort of reveal has to work on an emotional level. And oftentimes, I don't know, like for me, I've just found it easier to, like, rather than withhold that information, like, make the reveal happen earlier and then let the characters have the time to deal with that revelation and process it and what does that mean for them? And more so, what are they going to do about it? You know? Not that I needed this movie to be like, okay, she's going to... She finds this out, and then her, you know, mid-act sort of goal becomes to get out, and then after she gets out, you know, she's being chased by the people, blah, blah, Like, that's not what I needed. But it just needed a better way of, of, of like, okay, I understand from a, from a headspace what it means for her to get out and how that's a victory in itself. But it doesn't, I don't know, it's still missing that emotional weight because what life is she going back to? You know, apart from her being confused and and gaslit here, it didn't ratchet it up as much as it could have And I think that's because, again, it was trying to hold its cards for as long as it could. I don't know. That's just kind of how I'm viewing it. You might agree with me. You might disagree with me or somewhere therein. But please, uh, comment down below. Let me know your thoughts. Feel free to ask questions, you know. And let's just talk about it, right? What I want this to be is just to, to be an open, good discussion about this movie <clears throat> Excuse me, so we can all learn and benefit from.
right? Anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate you. See you next time.